0: Friends, before TikTok was a social media phenom, it sounded like this. Tick, talk. <laughs> I mean, you remember the wind up clock? And that would wind up and you would hear the tick and then there would be the talk. And you know what, we live, do we not, between the tick and the talk. That's what we call life. And sometimes it's even more acute. Sometimes the, what we call life is really burdensome. It's compelling and it weighs on our soul. And I'm so glad that God enables us between the tick and the tock to experience his presence and to know his guidance, because believe you me, in this crazy world in which we find ourselves, we need the presence of God. We need the power of God in our lives, in our hearts, between the tick and the talk. We live between what was and what will be. And for the church today, friends, we need the presence of God. I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you pay attention to the culture in this crazy world that we live in now, the church in North America is in exile. Maybe that's a shock to you, but the church is not only irrelevant to the lives of many people, but the church, if you call yourself a Christian person, is not welcome in the public square, and not only are we marginalized and kicked to the side of the road, but we are seen as the bad guy and that we're oppressive people. Our world is completely upside down today. And I'm telling you, between the tick and the talk, we need the presence and power of God. Now, what is power? I'm reminded of the dad one time they were on vacation. They were traveling lots of road miles. They pulled into a hotel to stay the night. And it's about midnight and dad gets thirsty and says, boy, I'd really like to have something ice cold. Everybody is fast asleep. And he goes down the hallway to get some ice and when he comes back he finds himself locked out of the room. And the problem's even worse, he's in his underwear. (laughs) It's a dad thing. And he realizes he has no choice but to make his way down the stairs across the lobby and to the front desk and he says i need another card to get in my room and she said well i'll need some identification please (laughs) now that's power but that's not the kind of power that i'm talking about here today power is one of the most sought after possessions in this life. Everybody wants to be in control. Everyone wants to have a leg up on the competition. They want to be in charge. They want to know where this thing is going and when we're going to get there. They want to know all about it and uh, they want to achieve purpose. Now that's the real definition of power, isn't it? How God can allow this world to go forth and yet achieve His will. That's the ability to achieve purpose, this incredible power. And everybody wants it today. And I find that power comes through inviting God into your life, surrendering your will to God's will and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, do the purifying work in your life. And that's where the power is, the Holy Spirit. Now, on the day here, 30 minutes after Pentecost, I'm telling you, those apostles knew more about Jesus than all the three years they'd spent with him. Everything suddenly began to dawn on them. It began to come into focus. They were suddenly comprehending what was going on as the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, came upon them when that power fell upon their hearts. And suddenly it turned these despairing, Doubters into these dynamic disciples. The power of God turned this feeble faction into these fruitful followers. And that is what we are striving for, to be the real thing. To know the real thing. To encounter God and to have the Lord living in our lives. So we're in this sermon series now that we're calling it Divine Encounter. Because we want to introduce you to Jesus we want to make sure that you really encounter the real thing and you come to faith in God. We need the Lord in our lives. And I remind you today that God created this world and then brokenness entered into it as people seem to rebel and want to go their own way. And so Jesus came into the world to mend hearts, to restore broken bodies, and to bring healing. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. I've come and I've overcome the world and I come to give you peace. Now, here in this text before us is an amazing text. And it's the scene of the power of God healing a life. And it's the place of the church's first miracle. Right here in the beginning in Acts 3, it's the story about a guy who's crippled and he's lame. And not only that, here's the oxymoron. The guy is ugly. And he's planted by what? The beautiful gate. And it's a reminder to him every day that he's not like everybody else. They can walk about and work and do everything, but he is planted by what everybody calls the beautiful gate in town. And it's a reminder, there are lots of sick people in this world. And despite all the amazing science and the incredible advancements that we are afforded to us in this era there is just as much pain in this world on this side of covid that that there ever has been and maybe more so now there's nothing good about pain in and of itself lewis said pain hearkens suffers to god and the spectators it sparks us to compassion because we want to reach out and we want to help those people that are struggling. And you know, it's always amazed me how God can take the most painful situation and the most horrifying circumstance and turn it in to a great triumph. God can take the hideous and the messes we make and turn it into something handsome. He can take the sorted and make it spick and span. He can take the shattered and the smashed, the broken and the beaten, the hurting and the hurt hopeless, and provide this unimaginable healing experience. And this fellow here in Acts 3 was healed physically, but the message in this text is not limited to physical healing. In fact, pain and suffering really gets our attention, doesn't it? And we realize it forces us to go in search of God. I'm kind of reminded of the folks down in Florida I heard some time ago how that they limit uh, maybe the irrigation somewhat at certain times to drive the, those orange trees, their roots down in search of moisture. So when the storms comes and the problems happen, they are grounded and founded. And folks, that's what you and I need to be in this day, really founded upon the word, And grounded in God. A clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go with the white heat of the furnace in order to become porcelain. And this passage here, I find, deals with really human healing on every level, not just the physical, but the spiritual, the mental, and especially the spiritual. We find valuable lessons here in these few verses of Acts chapter 3. This tragedy is presented. Note the misfortune of this man. The scripture tells us that he was crippled, and even more, that he'd been crippled from birth. His parents had to carry him everywhere. Can you imagine that kind of existence? Many opportunities in life had been denied him. I mean, he couldn't run out and uh, throw rocks. I was over there, the kids playing soccer everywhere, out in the Middle Eastern deserts. Many opportunities were denied this fellow, and he's become a grown man now and even his friends are carrying him to church. There on the temple steps so he could beg for a living. And we can only speculate about what kind of impact this had on the man's psyche. I mean, he was probably bitter. He was no doubt angry. I'm sure he had no self worth. There had never been a day in his life where he wasn't a burden to somebody and he could not walk, he could not work. And he really symbolizes here the tragedy that we find in life of pain and suffering. He reminds us that everywhere we look, there's a human hurt. Or as the poet said, beside every person is a pool of tears. We're all in this together. Sometimes it manifests itself through physical affliction, such as this man. But more often than not, it goes unnoticed to the human eye. For everyone who is crippled physically, I'm telling you, there are millions of people that are suffering emotionally and mentally and indeed spiritually, and they need a touch of God in their life. Now, this lame man sat and begged at this gate called Beautiful, and it was the main gate. This was not something hidden on the side of the road, but this was the largest gate. And it was made of bronze as the sun would shine upon it. It would glisten. People could see it as shining light for miles reflecting off the dome. And yet under its magnificent beauty was this suffering person. Now, think about that. How many people in our great neighborhoods, in our wonderful office buildings, in all of our fancy places, are really seated there among us and beside us, and they are hurting. Our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, our family members, they appear to be doing okay outwardly, but inwardly they are struggling. They are anxiety ridden. They're overextended in their calendar or in their financial lives. They do not know what to do with their kids. Their marriages are falling apart or their job is hanging by a thread and they lost all self-esteem and they're guilty and depressed and feeling ugly and they don't know where to turn. Behind every door, On every step is a human need. Every person has a story to tell. They've got a pain to share, a burden to bear, and we've all been hurt. We're all part of this broken world, and we need a touch of God. We need Christ, and that's the biggest need that any of us have today, a touch from God that our lives may be healed and transformed. Notice here this touch that was needed in this guy's life. And indeed, what us all really stand in the need of is a touch of God. He needed the power of Pentecost made available to him. And how was he to get it? I mean, every day this guy came to the temple. Every day he sat and begged at the church. He wasn't in the group at Pentecost He couldn't walk out to Capernaum and and, uh, over to Galilee and see all of these incredible miracles that were being performed. He lived out of the mainstream. He was oblivious to the good news of Jesus. He couldn't get to church indoors, but he could sit out on the steps and see everybody going in and out. Why should he go in? Uh, What was there in there for him? Why would anybody want to come to church? On Sunday, we got to apply that same thing to us today. This seems to be the attitude, does it not, in our day? There are so many people, it appears, that are deconstructing from the faith, they call it. There are Christian leaders that have succumbed to temptation and fallen. There are people that are hurting, and people are thinking, well, why would I want to go to church? Somebody said today that there are lots of hypocrites in the church. And I'm like, there's always room for one more. (laughs) We're all broken. We're all in need. But we're seeking God's best. We're seeking healing. And we want to be filled with God's spirit. We want to be faithful to God. This crippled man may have been like that. And notice here in the text that God sends two messengers. And it's an unlikely pair. It says here, if you notice, Peter and John are going. Now, normally in the gospel, it's a different pair. Peter and Andrew, James and John, but here they're paired together. Uh, Unlikely personalities have been yoked together, and they're in fellowship with one another, turns into great friendship, and now they're these dynamic duos. They're conveyors, and they're utensils in the hands of God. And they reach out and touch this guy, and this life is transformed. We find these messengers coming here to the temple at the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. And the Bible says they were going to pray. And on their way there, they encountered this lame guy. And he'd been there every day. Evidently, they'd seen him there before. And as they're going in, he's asking them for money, and so this time they stop. And Peter and John saw in this man the need for God. Their lives had been transformed, and they were sharing it. And what this man wanted was money. But what he needed was healing. And so Peter told him they didn't have what he wanted, but they had what he needed. He wanted his cup filled, but instead he got his heart filled. Now, verse 7, it says that he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And notice that Peter didn't just share Christ with him, but he reached out and did something. God's touch comes through messengers that are motivated by the love of God. And if we're going to touch people with God's presence, we've got to be willing to reach out to those around us, to be sensitive of where God is and respond to what God is calling us to do. Notice that here, they could have given this man what they had. They could have chipped a couple of coins in his bucket, but Peter said, but what I have to give you, he could not give him silver and gold because he had none. He could only give what he had, and so it is with us. Now, in history, Thomas Aquinas walked in one time and Pope Innocent II was counting a large sum of money. And Thomas Aquinas said, well, Pope, the church can no longer say silver and gold, I have none. And the Pope said, this is true, but neither can it now say arise and walk. And the apostles didn't have silver and gold, friends, but they had something far more that the church needs today. We need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts and lives, directing us and leading us. Because notice this finally here in this text. There was this incredible miracle that occurred. In verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And when Peter took him by the hand, something happened. And Peter was content with merely not just sharing with him, he reached out in this physical way to encourage this man to take a step of faith. And when Peter did this, the man was transformed. His knee was met, his legs were strengthened, his ankles were fortified, he was made whole, and he took a step of faith because Peter and John had stepped out in faith. They had reached down to the least of these. Not only was he healed, but his heart was flooded with joy. And the scripture says that he went with them into the temple and he was giving God thanks. He was overjoyed, his spirit and his emotional life were impacted and transformed because someone cared enough to reach out in the name of Christ, he had been lifted up. And it meant now that he could walk and work like everyone else, It meant now he could live a full life, but it meant more than that. It meant that somebody cared, and it meant the Holy Spirit had come into his life. You know, one of the great paradoxes in our time, Ralph Sockman said this one time, and you know, his observation was, in our time, there's never been a time where we have harnessed power, and yet at the same time, we seem to be more powerless than ever. Friends, the way to change that is to have the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. Now, when Fred Nobel invented what we call dynamite, that's where he got that name. From back in the 1800s, he looked to where Jesus had spoken about the Holy Spirit. And there he called it dunamis. He called it dynamite. And I wonder today, are you equipped with dynamite today? The power of God in your life. Have you been touched? Do you know God's Spirit and have Him residing in your life? Let's pray. Oh, Holy God, on this Father's Day, we need you, we need your presence. We need your hope. We need your help and transformation. There are so many that are hurting, struggling, in fear, feeling empty and left out. And we need a transformation. We need your spirit in hearts and lives. We need your strength for dads and moms for grandfathers and grandmothers. We need your strength for our kids today growing up in this world of strife. May they know your peace. And Lord, may you touch them through us. Lord, open our hearts today. Help us to be receptive. And may your spirit warm our souls and grant us your strength through your power. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.